Welcome to the DC Theology Podcast, a ministry of Parker DC and the Parker Theology Club. This broadcast is meant to encourage biblical thought and godly living. We are a firm believer that good theology produces good morality. As a result, the discussions in this broadcast will be both intellectual and applicable to the development and growth of Christian faith. Our hope is that you will find in this content biblically faithful, Christ exalting, and God glorifying. That pure Christian doctrine will spur you on in your spiritual journey. We approach the topic today with both humility and teachable spirit, understanding that we are all growing in our understanding of God. Thank you for listening. Welcome to our very first episode of our Parker Theology Club podcast, and we're excited that you're here with us today. We're just three common Joes that love God's Word and love the Lord and want to live for His glory, and so we're going to hang out together, and so thank you for joining us as our listeners today. Do us a favor by sharing this uh, podcast with your friends and family as well. Uh, We just want to be a resource for you as we humbly talk about God's Word, as we understand who God is, and we talk about the basics of biblical and historical Christianity. Um, let me give you a few quick uh, introductions real quick. My name is Joey Bentley. I'm the pastor here at Park Memorial Baptist Church, our Yarmouthville campus here in Anniston, Alabama. And this is my brother in Christ, Kelly Amos. Uh, Kelly, say hi. Yep. Hello. Uh, Kelly's one of our deacons here in our church, also one of our, our leaders and teachers. Uh, and then over here on the other side, we have William Simpkins. Will is our worship leader and our youth pastor here at Parker, D.C. Say hi, Will. Hello. And so basically, we're just here hanging out today and kind of uh, as three brothers in Christ and friends, again, with the purpose of being biblically faithful, Christ-exalting, and God-glorifying. And one of the reasons why we wanted to do something like this, this is kind of has several formats for us because we're, we're starting a podcast, but we're also starting at Theology Club, and that's on Facebook, it's on our website. Uh, but there's also like a theology forum that we're going to start. Kelly, you're going to be leading that forum mm-hmm. on one night of the week where we can talk about doctrinal issues and God's Word and so we're excited about that, too. And so all of this is kind of coming together because we, we see a need, especially in the modern church, in the Western church particularly, but it's also all over the world, for the church to recapture the basics of biblical and historical Christianity mm-hmm. uh, because we've seen distortions of that. And so uh, I think maybe one of the best ways to do that is to come back and look at what is a systematic theology, what does God's Word say consistently throughout Scripture in context. Now, it's really important, in context, what does God's Word say about the basic doctrines of the Christian faith. And so uh, we're, we are aiming to do that. Now, again, we are average Joes. We're not professionals. Uh, there are some some Bible degrees among us and stuff, but we've been in the church. Most of have been in the church all of our life, by and large. Some of us ministers, all of us ministers kids. And so uh, like we should be entrenched in this. But we're also uh, obviously aware of the fact that, again, the modern church is kind of straying away from uh, this. And so we have in the modern church uh, a pull towards making the church more relevant and uh, more palatable, more fun. But what gets lost in that kind of that seeker-sensitive, emergent, uh, liberal theological movement is the basic doctrines. And so uh, we are concerned mostly with building a biblical church, not necessarily a mega church, not necessarily a big church, but a biblical church, which means that we must make disciples. Hmm. And one of the best ways to do that is actually to talk theology. Mm-hmm. And so one of my uh, caveats here is, and we want you to understand this, and I'm, I'm kind of doing most of the intro here, and you guys will jump in in a minute, but is that we don't want um, our theological discussions to be weighty or too heavy right. um, for the average viewer. And so if you're watching that you're hearing the word theology and you're afraid, uh, let me let me calm your fears. Um, theology uh, really is just the thought of God or thinking about God or the study of God. And so if you've ever even read a Bible verse or thought about God, you're a theologian. The only question is, are you a good theologian or bad theologian, Mm -hmm. right? 
And so we want you to be a good theologian. We want to be good theologians as a result of that. And then I believe, this is, this is just my 10 cents. It probably is not worth 11. I believe <laughs> that good theology leads to good moral decisions as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had this discussion. Uh, a lot of times people will come and sit at a pastor's office or whatnot. I've, ha- I've had to happen at least six different times over the last year or two. Somebody sat in my office, and maybe I'm doing marriage counseling or whatnot, and one of the people say, you know, I just believe that God uh, wants me not to be married to this person. And I'm, like, shocked by that statement. Like, okay, so God is Word who champions marriage, the, the marriage of a man and one woman, uh, <laughs> one, uh, biblical re- in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that God who explicitly establishes marriage and champions marriage is now going to come back and contradict himself by telling you something otherwise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, that, that's the danger of bad theology. Uh, was it John Piper who said that bad theology really hurts people, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. so I think we need to be careful with bad theology because it doesn't just affect our mind, it affects our moral decisions yeah. Yeah. as well. It's and a slippery slope. Absolutely. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, and then it not only affects the immediate people that are affected, it, there's a trickle-down effect. That's right. Mm-hmm. That That's bad right. theology, you know, if a family is based on, you mentioned the family, if a family is based on, a practice of bad theology that leads to you know, divorce, to yeah. kids leaving the home, going to college without a and like an understanding of an inerrancy, yeah. which we'll talk about. Um, yeah. There's there's the trickle down effect could be generations. Absolutely, um, and I think that's the reason this is an important conversation. One of the uh, one of the things that really kind of kind of put that out for us biblically. Have you ever looked at Romans chapter one, where Romans chapter one it talks about where the the world culture and the world itself. Uh, begins to have a distorted view of God and His Word, which we're going to talk specifically about today for a little bit. Uh, and then as a result of that, God gave them over too. So mm-hmm. bad theology then led to a depraved mind, mm-hmm. which led to homosexuality, along with a lot of other vices and sins mm-hmm. as well. But which came first? The bad theology, the right. bad doctrine. Mm-hmm. And it led to the other things. That can be true in our homes. You know, like if we, if we don't understand God biblically, in our home, then we, we teach our kids to continue to propagate that same bad theology and the same bad ethical mistakes that, mm-hmm. that we continue to make over and over and over mm-hmm. again. So uh, I do want to promote one thing before we get started in our discussion on the Bible itself. Uh, that's our kind of our focus today. We have other discussions coming up. Again, this is one of those things we're going to do every couple of weeks uh, together and more and more as there's need to do that. But uh, we all recently watched uh, American Gospel uh, Christ Crucified. If you've never watched the first American Gospel, it's called American Gospel of Christ Alone. You, know, you can find that on Netflix, YouTube, as well as other places. Uh, we encourage you to watch that. There's a second. The sequel to that is called Christ Crucified. And it was released late last year, I think. Uh, I think we've all watched in the last couple of weeks at least three or four times, right? <laughs> three times. Yeah. And so we want to encourage you to watch that documentary. It's basically a three-hour documentary outlining uh, the move away from the church by the emergent church, the, the theologically liberal church, uh, in many ways the seeker-sensitive church without no doctrinal root, uh, away from the atonement of Christ and the biblical view of the atonement of Christ. And a really systematic way I loved it about it was systematic. You know, mm-hmm. like It was like, like 10 different points that it brought you through the course of three hours mm-hmm. and then give you a rich, not just biblical foundation, but historical foundation mm-hmm. as well. <laughs> Will, Will and I was having a conversation yesterday. There's a couple of, and I, I appreciate that the authors of the documentary did this. They brought in views that wasn't consistent with historical biblical Christianity mm-hmm. and allowed them to share that. One of them was Tony Jones. Another was Bart Campalo. 
uh, really were huge figures in the emergent church movement. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't know about you, Will, but I was frustrated watching those guys. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so there was there's there's times that you want to tense up when you're watching like that's just wrong. Yeah. You know? Well, it's also just it's it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, like mm-hmm. Kelly mentioned before we started um, the, the recording, it's heart it's heartbreaking because you can tell that they're actually convinced about yeah. the things that are just dead wrong. Yeah. Um, um, hate to be that frank about it, no, <laughs> but yeah, they're just dead true. wrong. Um, yeah. yeah, it starts with um, it starts with mine and Joey's favorite verse. Yeah. That the the yeah. documentary, the first words in the documentary, uh, are First Corinthians one eighteen. For the wisdom of the cross is foolishness to those who are, who are perishing, and you see it exemplified in those people that are interviewed that just don't understand some things that even my six year old son who has just recently accepted Christ mm-hmm. understands. I'm talking right. about scholarly people. Right. And it's because it's because that wisdom is something that God has given to believers. Mm-hmm. And it's stumbling block to the Jews yeah. and foolishness. Yeah, to I, the Gentiles. I agree with that. I think one of the big things to me uh, in regard to that really a blindness, a spiritual blindness in light of, of those individuals as well as the world until Christ opens that blindness. But there's no fear of God. Uh, there's no understanding of, I've said this a lot lately, there's really two major things that kind of steady my theology, mm-hmm. and that is the sovereignty of God and the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a healthy fear of God, you don't understand either one of those things. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there is this sense of, uh, of all about me, all about what I understand, all about what I know. Uh, there's a, an intellectual pursuit without the personalizing of the faith. Mm-hmm. And that's what's dangerous. And one of the, the things we don't want this podcast to be is just an intellectual pursuit. Uh, we like thinking. Right. We like having discussions and even having, uh, you know, deep discussions. But at the same time, we want this to be something that can, you can take it and run and go think on it your own yeah. and make it your own. This is not a theoretical philosophy class. No. Um, uh, even though I have to admit that sometimes I like to sit in my truck with the radio turned off and when I'm driving a long way and just get my mind caught into some some stupid philosophies every now and then this is not i would not feel convicted by god to put that on a podcast <laughs> yeah. at all yeah. this is what we're doing here is practical christian theology yeah. and and a couple of just real quick a couple of things that i wanted to state was things that we're not going to get into there's a couple of presuppositions or things that are we're going to go ahead and and say that are a given. And those are that God exists. Now, if you don't believe that God exists, please come talk to us. That, yeah. I, I, I would love to talk to you about that, but we're going to go ahead and assume that God exists and that Jesus mm. existed and walked the face of the earth. Historically. So this is Christian yeah. theology yeah. is what this is. So we're going to pick yeah. up from that point. That doesn't mean that we won't discuss before that point. So please. Yeah. yeah we thought about doing like a creation. Yeah. Yeah. And, thing and we, in the we probably still That's, will. That should be the next um, one probably. <laughs> yes. And, and creation, a poor view of creation is going to send your theology down the wrong trail too. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, let me, let me jump in and say, if you do have questions or comments, or even if you want to talk about those things, what, on different mediums that we post this on, please comment. I mean, we want you mm-hmm. to comment or you can email us where we have the Facebook page. It's already set up. We have a, a page on our website as well at dclivelove.com. If you want to ask questions, please do that. We want to engage them with you as uh, the audience. So One thing, uh, I was going to bring some scripture into these thoughts real quick. Um, I've um, For the past, just since the pandemic started, what started with Joey doing the uh, 
Uh, we do DC news at our for our church family on our Facebook, and basically we're just giving a devotional thought every. Uh, it has been every day. We just dwindled it down to three days a week, but um, uh, praise it, God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I was I've been sort of going through Proverbs, and of course this speaks directly to wisdom and like getting understanding. Um, and here here's just a quick. Uh, I guess excerpt from Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. It says, To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand proverb and a saying the words of the wise and the riddles. And then it says, what does all this mean? It's the fear of the Lord is, is the beginning is the root That's right. of knowledge. Um, and, and then it, on the token, it flips it. It says fools despise wisdom and instruction. Mm-hmm. And so within the, I just was thinking about the American gospel. We can see both sides of that token, yeah. um, mm-hmm. right there in first seven verses of Proverbs. Yeah. Um, yeah. and you know, this is, but the good news is, is that it does, um, in chapter in chapter two, it says, "If we seek knowledge, um, the Lord stores up knowledge for those who right. are upright." Um, so we do have a promise there. Um, right. So not only is this a theology podcast, but it's sort of an exhortation to run to Christ. Yes, you know. Now I want so. to say one more thing before we jump off into our discussion on the inerrancy and inspiration of Scripture, the place of God's mm-hmm. Word when it comes to our theological doctrinal framework. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the hardest things with theology is there are there are things that we can know for certain about God. That yeah. God has made it very clear in His Word. Mm-hmm. That's why we're starting with God's Word. Okay, mm-hmm. so these things are obvious about God, and we can all agree on they are they are first core uh, doctrines that are biblical, easily to flesh out. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and really uh, we will do that. There are also secondary tier doctrines that we can have some disagreement on because. Especially like like the Trinity. How do you explain the full nuance of the Trinity? That's a core doctrine, but you can't possibly, in a finite human mind, understand the full nuances mm-hmm. of that. Uh, one of the things like second core doctrines, second tier doctrines. I'm thinking of eschatology or end times. Like we all can agree on certain highlights in the Book of Revelation and mm-hmm. elsewhere, but there are things that we don't know because we've not been there yet. And so we're going to make a distinction between those things. There are mm-hmm. things that we can know. There's things we, we don't know we can make logical, biblically informed guesses on, and then we just let the chips fall where they may. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I struggle with, particularly, and this is, we, we all have some mm-hmm. of the same people that we read and watch, and uh, the Pipers of the world, MacArthur's of the world, mm-hmm. uh, Ravi Zacharias, who just recently passed mm-hmm. away, uh, Vody Bauckham, we all love Vody, and John Piper. All these guys are the, are the people that we kind of champion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they have a tradition that's a little bit more reformed, as far as I'll go ahead and say it, reformed mm-hmm. in their theological understanding. Um, we can't fully understand the full nuances mm-hmm. of that. And mm-hmm. so we will we will dance up there and play around that conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just know this. This is three humble guys saying, you know what, this is our best understanding of this biblically. Mm-hmm. But who knows the full mind of, of and, Christ? And just for the record, my humility is one of the things I'm most proud of about <laughs> myself. So uh, that's called the humble brag, right? <laughs> 
So I'm well, the best at being humble, guys. I really am. <laughs> what is it? Romans chapter 11, the very end of that chapter, talks about that. Like there, there are things of God that we can understand, mm-hmm. and there are things of God that we can't understand. Mm-hmm. I think we pursue as much as we can understand. Yeah. You know? And then we say, when it comes down to where my mind is blown, mm-hmm. then we just say, God, I just trust that mm-hmm. you're good and you're sovereign and you're working all things together for your glory. And mm-hmm. so I got, I trust that. And so I'm okay saying I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not okay saying I'm lazy though. And yeah. So that's, that's the issue. Too many times I think Christians have stuck their head in the sand and don't want to think. God gave us brains. God gave us intellect. He wants us to use them for, for namely the pursuit of him, namely yeah. to understand him more. All other knowledge is, is, is secondary to that pursuit. Theology is the most important pursuit of, of humankind mm-hmm. because we get to know our maker and yeah. our redeemer. So, And I think, uh, I think Wayne Grudem coined this. I could be wrong, but I think it was Wayne Grudem where he, he said, um, he was talking about scripture and particularly he was talking about um, that in context, he was talking about the new heavens and the new earth where once we get to glory, we will, we will know Jesus, you know, rightly, but n- never exhaustively. Right. Which, and and the same thing can be said. I think he even brought this up. I'm not sure um, about scripture. We in scripture we have because of scripture we can know God rightly, um, but not exhaustively. Right. And and we'll never reach there because He's God. What's (laughs) ironic about that statement though is if you've ever seen Wayne Grudem's systematic theology book, it Mm -hmm. seems exhausted. I mean, yeah. If he hadn't if he hadn't covered all of it (laughs) for the videoers. I have it over there. But there you go. Anyway. Uh, we'll, we'll bring a copy of that yeah. next time. So, uh, but that thing's massive. It's a great paperweight, too. Yeah, um, it's good, though. Yeah, there, it is. There's great. a smaller version of that, too, if there, ever, anybody there wants is. one. Yeah. I can get one. So let's jump into uh, biblical inerrancy. You want to, guys? Uh, yeah. I think this is the kind of the framework. If you're looking at a systematic approach to theology, I think you have to start somewhere. There has to be some understanding. And then here's the big issue between... A modern view and a postmodern view. Mm-hmm. Uh, a modern view says science informs our truth, our understanding of truth. Postmodern says there's no such thing as truth. Uh, everything's relative, and so we can be skeptical, skeptical and almost embrace skepticism mm-hmm. as a result of that. So mm-hmm. uh, if you are a biblical Christian, a historical biblical Christian, you have to have an understanding of some absolute truths. And so as a Christian, we have to begin then with God's Word. Mm-hmm. There has to be an understanding of absolute truth. Now, does that, is that all that informs my belief in God? Absolutely not. I can look in creation, but the Bible itself is the foundation and the authority for my understanding of all of Christian doctrine. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's jump off there. Kelly? Um, I was going to say, you want to go ahead and read that definition? What we'll yeah. do is we'll start with a de- definition of biblical inerrancy, and what we're saying is that the Bible has no errors, in meaning no errors, Errant meaning errors. Yeah. There are no errors in Scripture, and there there are several ways to understand that. Uh, but there's only one right way, and that's what we want to come to uh, on this. If if you don't yeah. mind, Joey, read yeah, I'm going to read to you uh, Baptist Faith and Message. Baptist Faith and Message. We're all we're Southern Baptist, uh, and so if you're watching a podcast. Uh, you know, don't hold that against us or anything, but uh, we do have a rich tradition. But we're right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we do have a rich tradition of, 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 of being pretty solid theologically. Um, there's a, and I'll just say this before we jump into the Baptist faith and message. I grew up in a Baptist church. My dad was a Baptist pastor. Uh, and so I grew up under that understanding. I bleed fried chicken. I am I'm Southern Baptist, okay? Um, now, do I think that Southern Baptists are perfect? No, we have some things wrong. Um, however, I think that 
when it comes down to traditions of the Southern Baptist belief, the convictions of Southern Baptists, I think we're biblical. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, we're conservative biblical. I agree. And so uh, the Baptist faith and message is a, a basically a, a description of faith, a statement of faith of what we believe. And it starts with, not, not accidentally, intentionally with the Scriptures. And this is what it begins with. The Holy Bible was written by men, divinely inspired, and it's God's revelation of himself to man. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author. I love this. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. Therefore, all Scripture is totally true and trustworthy. It reveals the principles by which God judges us and therefore is and will remain to the end of the world, the true center of Christian union and the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and religious opinions should be tried. All Scripture is a testimony to Christ and who is, who is himself the focus of divine revelation, which goes, I was thinking, I was distracted that last statement because I said this so many times recently, all the Bible is about Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the Bible is about Jesus. From Genesis chapter 1, particularly after you get to Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man, all the way to Revelation chapter 22, it's all about Christ. Yeah. Yeah. The, it, a, the key even, is looking for it. We even see the first picture of the gospel in Genesis 3. That's right. The Proto-Evangelion, yeah. right. Yeah. So. It's about the seed. Uh, the seed is Christ. From the time that man sinned and sin came into the world, there was a seed mm-hmm. actually from the foundations of the earth. But, but God's plan came to fruition at the time of sin. And that Adam, that first Adam that brought sin into the world, as as Roman 5 says, that second Adam, that Christ, throughout all the Old Testament until the, to the birth of Christ and beyond, that seed was protected through the line of prophecy mm-hmm. as, as it went through. And that's what we see in each thing. And then along the way, in each in each family and each person that that seed Christ was protected through the old Testament. We see pictures of Christ in those people. Now they're not Christ. Christ is the better mm. Abraham. He's the better Isaac as, as right. there's many as types. But there's yes. one ultimate. Yes. So because we see the sin in them, but we also see them as types of Christ mm-hmm. who, who saved his people, Israel, from that. So understanding that what Joey said, that all of Scripture points to Jesus. It's not that was then, this is now. That's how we're going to, that's the lens we'll look at Mm -hmm. the Bible from and inerrant from. So, And we're talking about the Bible, to be very clear, okay? So we're talking about the 66 books which have historically been categorized in the canon of Scripture, okay? Yes. Mm-hmm. And two different Testaments, Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, and these statements of inerrancy that we're going to talk about um, and the authority apply to both, both Testaments. So that's yes. a really important distinction that has to be made. Yeah, and it, it is the Christian Bible because I know that uh, contemporary Jews refer to the, the Pentateuch and as as the Bible, so we're talking about the Christian Bible, but that includes and that's yeah that and includes and also <laughs> not we don't have additional books to right. the sixty six right. as the Roman Catholic so, Church. Yes, we do not have the Apocrypha. We're not talking about the Maccabees and the Gospel of Thomas and things like that. Yeah. We're we're talking about uh, we can go into the councils and all yes. that, how those formed in that yes. time. <laughs> yes, exactly. they're not here for a bit. Uh, History of the Bible. Like an eyewitness <laughs> I guess. account of that. Oh wait, yeah. that was 
1600 years ago. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. One of the, one of the biggest things to note on going through inerrancy of scripture is understanding, um, what the Bible says about itself and the claims of scripture about itself, both in the old Testament and in the new Testament. Now, now it's easy to point out in the old Testament because Jesus refers to the old Testament and he refers to it just in, in, in ways that say, Hey, this scripture wasn't there. And we'll get to some scriptures on that, but the old Testament itself refers to itself. Just take Deuteronomy six, two, that you may fear the Lord, your God to keep all his statutes and his commands, which I command you speaking of itself. Right. In that, so we in the Old Testament, there's several other that we could that we can get to. There's several other scriptures that we can get to later. If we're we're going to be on a time crunch trying to get inerrancy in 30 minutes, so um, oh, we're already at 25. So let's just keep going. <laughs> well, well, I'm sorry. We like to talk. 45 yeah. minutes. Well, 45 we, minutes because the may, first 15 minutes was the introduction. There you so. go. We may uh, we may break this up some. So not sure yet, but we'll figure it out. There you go. Yeah. At least for the video, we could probably do it all in one, but. Anyway. Sorry, thinking out loud. But go ahead. But again, <laughs> understanding what Scripture says about itself in that. Now, what does the New Testament? What do the writers and Jesus of the New Testament say about the Old Testament? New Testament considers the Old Testament to be the Word of God, and that is based on what was said in the New Testament. For instance, Romans Romans one two. You just brought up Romans one, which he promised. This is Paul speaking, which he promised before through his prophets in the holy scriptures right so that's paul speaking there the one that i consider to be the greatest christian based on the number of books that he had so like i say he won that now again he's not better than christ but christ is not a christian christ is christ so don't get confused on that it's also the original it's also important to understand that like in the american gospel i can't remember the guy's name one of the guys over emergent church um kind of the older guy but he was saying the gospel are actually Mark what Maron. Jesus said, and then we have Paul and all these guys. Yeah, he's, we, he's, we need to be sure that we under we red letter Christianity. Right, red let the red letter Christians. That is a movement that yeah. needs to be addressed. Yeah, um, no doubt. Because what they say is really the only words that we need to pay attention to in the New Testament are Jesus's. Well, guess what. Big boy, I'll be glad to sit with you on that one too. <laughs> and let's just use Jesus. Um, and maybe if I sit with you yeah. on that one, you can come over and say, understand that the rest of Scripture is inspired. Yeah. And, 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 if, inspired and if Jesus so. would uh, cross-reference Old Testament Scriptures in relationship to himself and even mm-hmm. the things that he was teaching, mm-hmm. then if Jesus would, why wouldn't we do it? That's one of my pet peeves is, okay, like the modern church really wants to focus a lot on the New Testament, uh, mm-hmm. particularly the Gospels, and that's very important. But again, the entire book is about Christ. Mm. And so you have to read, I mean, like we're right now in a series starting in Joseph. I have to read Joseph with the lens of the gospel because Joseph is a type of Christ. And the things that Joseph goes through, particularly the suffering, uh, the righteous suffering of a servant, Mm -hmm. very, very much parallels the story of the gospel. So Mm -hmm. I read read the Old Testament looking for Jesus, okay? Mm -hmm. And that's what Jesus saw, and that's what Jesus did. Yeah, so, right. And, and we, that's, it brings me to this. Let me say this real quick, sure. Because I want to stay with an outline. <laughs> for just a, what he just said was the next point. What does Jesus say about Scripture? What does he say about right. John five thirty nine? Yeah. Says you search the Scriptures for in, speaking to the Pharisees, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they speak of me. Right. 
And that's who they teach. So he is saying that the scriptures point the, at me, point yeah. at me. Right. Yeah. So, okay. He is giving ultimate credit right. to the scriptures, the old Testament mm-hmm. there. So right. go ahead with, with, sorry, Will. No, I was just saying, I, I just, I think of, you know, fast forward to the book of revelation. Joey's preaching kind of doing Wednesday night Bible studies on. And I'm you not see, kinda, I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and you probably have already, uh, um, touched on this, but he told John to write these down. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> like we have an actual yes. account of him doing that. Um, if if you didn't, if you know, yes. another another so, thing that I'll, I love reading the Book of John. John's my favorite gospel. Yeah, me too. Um, because of the way John writes, John writes in very doctrinal terms, mm-hmm. you know, and helps us unpack, particularly uh, regeneration. Mm-hmm. I think maybe better than any of the gospel writers. But nonetheless, John introduces his book with the person of Jesus mm. as the living word, mm-hmm. uh, which from the very onset of his book says that, okay, so there's a written revelation of God, God's word. At this point in time, it was the Old Testament, now New Testament added to. But also there's a uh, the written word and there's a personal revelation of Christ. The word became flesh, capital W, became flesh and dwelt among us. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of implications to that. We don't have time to unpack that fully. <laughs> but... Yeah. What John is doing is he's identifying the revelation of God being Jesus, but all other revelation pointing back to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you can't miss that. If you miss that, you really miss the fact that that the whole again the scripture is pointing to the gospel. That's it's right. also getting it's also validating that the New Testament scriptures are also scripture. That's right. That's right. Uh, That's right. Which we have I think two is... different stories here. That's one of the, another pet peeve of mine. I'm gonna talk about pet peeves. Uh, I hate hearing that well, the God in the New Testament is different than God in the Old Testament. I can't be true because yeah. I see the same I see the same mercy and grace in the Old Testament that is offered in a sense the New Testament and wrath and wrath absolutely <laughs> yeah. but God's wrath was also evident in the New Testament ask yeah. Ananias and Sapphira you know and so you, can, yeah. you can't you can't separate the two they're the continuous story of God's work redeeming mankind yeah, yeah. that's good um, next Trying to stay on an outline. In a Kelly's, Kelly's holding us together. You, Kelly, y'all you, accused me of being the ones that were going to talk too much. <laughs> the one that's gonna... I'm the right. ADD one here. Unified. Sorry, this is what Christ said about Scripture in the Old Testament. It was unified. He testified about the Scriptures, that they were a unified whole. In John 10, 35, the Scripture cannot be broken. That's right. He also it cannot be altered. He said until in this Matthew five eighteen until heaven and earth disappear, not one of the smallest letters or jot or tittle, right. not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. I think, my friends, that Jesus believed that the Old Testament. At this point, we're going to get to the New Testament. The Old Testament was the inerrant word of God. So if, if, and here's what they'll say is we don't need, and I've heard this even by people that I know to be, or I believe to be based on fruit and confession are believers say, I don't believe the Bible's inerrant, but it's okay. We don't, it doesn't have to be inerrant because of the strong account of the resurrection of Christ that gets us through, that gets us through. And there's some denominations that rest on that. They right. say we don't need scriptural inerrancy because of the account of the of Christ and the in the secular account of Christ. Right. We can see and I agree. I agree with that mm-hmm. on the fact that there is a strong secular account. I do not, absolutely do not agree and in no way believe that it we it doesn't matter. Right. Mm-hmm. Because this right. 
But almost, brings it. okay, if I'm going to take that one step further, though, if, if you believe that the only thing necessary is the resurrection account, and there has there's a question of inerrancy in the Old Testament, well, Jesus affirms the inerrancy of the Old Testament. Therefore, you're now calling Jesus a sinner because Jesus just lied. Therefore, he cannot be the sinless, perfect sacrifice for our sin. Therefore, the resurrection is a mute point. That's mm-hmm. right. So it's a house of cards. Like, you can't just say, I'm just going to take the resurrection without the inerrancy of Scripture. Absolutely. Because the two of them go hand in hand together. And, and the house of cards is such a good illustration because if we say that this Scripture that we use, that God has given us through the Bible and protected it, he, he has given us a keyhole into eternity, a keyhole into who the mind of God. Right. If we say that it is not right, then what are we trying to look through? To understand God, we might as well take away the keyhole, go do our own thing because right. we can't know God. Well, right. what about soul competency and understanding, uh, understanding Christ through different revelations? My friend, the revelation of Christ is contained within the canon of Scripture, and we're, we'll continue to talk about that here. In just One second. more thing, and then Kelly's actually keeping us on track, which is kind of hilarious. hilarious to us. Yeah, I thought that Somebody's was your job. That's supposed to be my job, right? <laughs> Somebody's got to. So, I got to try. Uh, so the book of Revelation actually ends with a warning about adding to or taking away from mm-hmm. uh, the words written in the book. Now, a lot of people look at that, well, that's just about the book of Revelation. I don't believe that. I think that God was saying adding to or taking away from anything in the book, all 66 yeah. of the inspired canonized books. And so there's a danger to don't, don't, don't just worry about adding to, but if my view of Scripture is the inspired, authoritative, inerrant Word of God, mm. don't take anything away from it either. Blows up smorgasbord Christianity. I'm going to take what choose what I want to obey, what I don't want to obey. All of God's Word is useful then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't remember. I can't remember what uh, where this happened at, but I remember my old professor, Dr. DeClavon, if you're listening, um, he told me about there was a, I guess there's a group of people that got together and they were forming one of the versions of scripture of so-called scripture. Um, and basically they just took a Sharpie and they just underlined the parts of scripture that they felt were inspired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is like, crazy. it's a buffet. Yeah. It's a buffet. Like, just pick and choose, get what you want. And, and I bet they don't like things that were comfortable to them. Yeah. I mean, that's just, you know, so. yeah. Um, I I couldn't live like that. I mean, yeah. even me and I, and I'm a right brain guy that can that can live on the the edge of of craziness, and I can't live like that. To understand that God, he, he gave us he gave us a scripture to understand him to understand him fully. Right? Mm-hmm. No, well, not fully. You cannot fully know God. I'm going through catechisms with <laughs> the most fully that we can as human beings. Right. Through Scripture, you can't fully know God. I do catechisms with uh, with Landon, and and one of the things is, can we know God fully? He says, No, you can't know fully God. No, you can't know God fully, Landon. No, you can't f- know fully God. His name's not fully. Anyway, that's what I go through with him. <laughs> but, God but is you logical. Can't know God. You yeah. can know a lot about God, but you can't know Him fully. And I understand that, but we can. The most full that we can know God is through those Scriptures. Now, okay. We talked about the Old Testament and that Jesus confesses about himself and the authors. There, there are four witnesses of, of the Old Testament um, for the inerrancy of the Old Testament. Those four witnesses are the first century Jews, mm-hmm. who were the writers of Scripture, the Old Testament itself, 
the New Testament and Jesus himself. Those are the four witnesses that we have that we can say, okay, we have to believe as Christians, we have to believe that the Old Testament, that those four witnesses, including Christ himself, believe that the Old Testament was inerrant. So let's go to the New Testament. The New Testament is also the inspired word of God and the inerrant word of God based on divine origin, which... All throughout Jesus' ministry, divine origin was his was the words that he stressed. Like, for instance, John twelve forty eight and forty nine. He who rejects me, who does not receive my words, has that which judges has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken my own by my own authority, but the Father who sent me. And gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. So Jesus' words would not, would all, were not his authority, but yep. God's authority right. in that as well. Right. Um, next, in yes. addition to that, let me mm-hmm. do this. In addition to that, his words would never pass away. So he said his words would never pass away. The, Matthew twenty four thirty five. heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So what he's saying is that his words would last forever. And he also hints that his words, how would they last forever? That they would be recorded. Right. So he is saying that his words would be recorded, and that's what we have in Scripture. So we know they had to be recorded. And guess right. what? We still have them. That's, that's right. right. We still that's have right. them. 2,000 years later, this even might though be- the world hates it now. I mean, like, it used to be the, I mean, here's... A tangent. I know I'm taking a tangent. It used to be the Bible was uh, a somewhat respected book. The world hates it, and yet it's still around. It's still mm-hmm. it's still desired. You know, it's still the best selling book in the, in the world. By the way, we were talking before this um, about the amount of manuscripts yeah. of scripture that was right. recovered from antiquity, a time of antiquity, right. which is defi- this biblical times. That's another word for that. Um, did you? Did, how many? Did yeah. You say so, you like, uh, if you're comparing, we're kind of jumping ahead, but we can come back in just a second. Um, like when you look and compare the Bible and its original manuscripts to uh, that of classical uh, literature, namely like mm. the Iliad and Odyssey and et cetera, um, there are over 24,000 manuscripts that date back to the first few centuries that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them as late as, as the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, back uh, several decades ago. So we're, we're collecting all the time. And what we find in those, those transcripts and those manuscripts is that uh, – even when we go back to the oldest ones, we find something older and older and older. The historical reliability is remarkable. Mm-hmm. It's like ninety nine point nine percent accurate. Yeah. It, over the course, of, this yeah. is two thousand years later on. Yeah. And so, what we have is not a book that's been distorted by time. We have a book that God has been preserving, preserving. through time. It's so, a, that's a testament right there yeah. to to how he he has kept his word yeah. overwhelmingly. Right. To kept his word, and you can't like, say the same thing for some of those classical literatures. Yeah. When you start looking at older manuscripts, and they find older manuscripts, there's been significant changes through the years. Years you would expect that from the Bible. But mm-hmm. That's not what you find. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, next is the promise of Jesus Himself. Uh, the main reasons for the that we believe the New Testament has been inspired by God as the promise of Jesus. Before his death and resurrection, Jesus made the following promises to his disciples. And this is from John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. But And this is John 15, 26 and 27. But when the Helper comes 
whom I shall send to you from the Father, he will testify, and you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Now, it's important to know on these two verses what he is saying and who he is saying it to. What he is saying that is that they will have perfect divine recollection of what he said to them. And who he was saying it to was his disciples. Now, was Paul included right here in the disciples? Not at this point, but we understand Paul on the road to Damascus. Mm. Jesus came to him, what said, as one untimely born. And we also know from the testifying of Peter Mm -hmm. in his epistle, what he says about Paul. Mm. And almost as if Paul is the greatest apostle in that so so we have we include paul in those directly that had contact with jesus so they either had to have specific contact with jesus or they they had to have such or they had one person away what is that one degree one degree one degree of separation from and really it wasn't like you take mark and luke they weren't they didn't specifically know jesus on earth the physical body of jesus but you got Mark, Peter. Yeah. Mark is known to be Peter's gospel. Right. And Luke was with Paul and, yeah. and several of the other, other and disciples. And several of the others. So, and he's also a historian. So he has that first degree, yeah. uh, one degree of separation. And, yeah, Luke, and Luke is a scientist. In that, I mean, so you, you trust Luke's account because he does have the eyewitnesses, but he also is such a methodical writer. Yeah, he's gathering and data. And researcher. Yeah. Now, one of the things remarkable to me about God's Word, the New Testament specifically, in relation to the canon, is that that's why the Christian Bible includes just the books that it includes the New Testament. Because there was other books written around a similar time that mm-hmm. were included, but they did not go through the same scrutiny, uh, did not live up to the same scrutiny. That's right. The, mm-hmm. the New Testament books were written by eyewitnesses or one step away from eyewitnesses. Right. Um, held a context, theological context, that was continuous throughout the New Testament and the Scriptures. So there was no addition in doctrinally that was out in left field. And so when the when the canonization of Scripture took place over the first few hundred years, because we, we compare these other mm-hmm. apocrypha books, and we realize, okay, those aren't directly direct eyewitnesses or direct links in. There's something out here in left field. Okay, well, that, that eliminates them. And so we come down to a, a New Testament that is pure theologically and doctrinally mm-hmm. and historically accurate because it lived up to those expectations. Right. Mm-hmm. And this promise in, of Jesus, and that's important to know if, if you are defending the biblical inerrancy right. in the New Testament, right. is John fourteen twenty six. Right. John mm-hmm. 14, what he says is, and, and will bring remember, remembrance of all things I said to you, right. speaking to the apostles. So right. we know from Jesus' words that there would be a remembrance of this and everything that the apostles said in Jesus' name mm. and wrote down in these scriptures would be inerrant. Right. Mm-hmm. We knew that is how we know through the words of Jesus yeah. there too. Um, any th- more thoughts on that? Uh, we, one one let's, wrap up. Let's go ahead and move forward. One, one, one wrap up on that thought was the Holy Spirit would guide these and stuff I've written down. Holy Spirit would guide these handpicked disciples into all truth and they would be given a gift of total recall of yep. the things he said and did yep. um, that would guarantee the truth of their preaching. Right. Um, we are, uh, there's several other 
things that we can go to, several scriptures that we can, and, and yeah. we can post these. Maybe we, we should, can post these online. Yeah. Let's sort of land the plane some, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. we can post so, these online. But I, I do think want to look at a couple other verses though from the New sure, Testament sure. that gives kind of an understanding. Okay, not just the, the inerrancy of scripture, but the usefulness of scripture. Uh, so if if you believe the Bible to be inerrant, hmm. then okay, then there's a purpose for the Bible, and the purpose is to lead us to Christ directly. Yes, absolutely, but it's also to help us understand God and live out our convictions, our faith convictions in the world in which we live in. Mm-hmm. My favorite verse in that regard is 2 Timothy chapter 3. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Okay, so does that mean that God's hand literally wrote every word that we have in Scripture? No, but God used His instruments, man, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. They were literally breathed out by God. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we didn't have John over there saying, you know what, I think I'm going to tell a joke. In this, in this text. Right. You know, no, every word is inspired by God. And it's profitable then, like the, the usefulness of Scripture for for teaching. And that's kind of what we're, we're right here we're doing. We're teaching, you know. That's what your your pastor does on Sunday morning. He's preaching. He's teaching. It's what happens in our youth groups and kids' ministry, hopefully. We're not just having fun. We're teaching God's Word. But it's also for reproof, for correction, you know. Uh, this is why I think doctrine is so important. Because if we have a healthy view of God and His Word— then I can go to my brother in Christ in love and gently in love say, okay, this is what God's word says. And if we're going to be a biblical Christian, we have to live by the truths of God's word. And so uh, this is not what I think. This is not me being judgmental. This is what God's word explicitly says. This is why the Bible is so important because it allows us to have that framework to, to keeping. And it's, it's the sanctifying work of God's word. So it's good for teaching, for proof, for correction, and then training in righteousness. It goes on so that the man of God may be fully equipped. Fully equipped. So does that mean we need anything else to help equip us? No. We have God's Word informed and inspired by the Holy Spirit and then the Holy Spirit's bringing back that Word to us as we know His Word more. That's all we need. That's all. We don't need the traditions of the Catholic Church. I'm not picking on Catholics, but we don't need those traditions. Mm. We, don't, we don't need uh, extra-biblical uh, philosophy we don't need um, uh, social social books. We don't need any of those kind. Of, we need God's word as a church. Mm-hmm. This is this is kind of the, this is my part as a pastor. Like the church, we've got away from that. We've got away from the authority of Scripture, mm-hmm. and so we chase rabbits. Even in our well, five ways to have a better life, your best life now. Well, what does God's word say about it? Yeah. Yeah. So Grudem, here's a quote from, I've already mentioned Grudem twice, so this yeah, isn't yeah. a paid podcast, but we're not sponsored by Wayne Grudem. Um, but he, he was I talking, wish. yeah, that'd be nice. If you listen to this, Wayne, hit there us up. Uh, yeah, that's right. But he was, he was talking about um, uh, how written scripture is our final authority. Yeah. He says, yeah, it was the words of God written on the tablets of stone that Moses deposited in, in the Ark of the Covenant later God commanded Moses and subsequent prophets to write their words in a book, and it was written scripture that Paul said was God-breathed, which you said, 2 Timothy 3.16. Similarly, it is Paul's writings that are a command of the Lord, which you see in 1 Corinthians 14.37, and that could be classified with the other scriptures, which we see quoted in 2 Peter 316. Yeah. Right. Um, I think that was kind of a comprehensive way how it, it how it's gone from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament and how yeah. in its written form we have the revelation yeah. of God. Yeah. Real quick, what and 
because we got to land this plane. What <laughs> what the plan is is we started this podcast. We're also going to have the Parker Theology Club, right. which my plan is July sixteenth. That's a third. It's going to be on Thursday night, starting July sixteenth uh, at seven p.m. and it'll go from seven to probably nine. So I'm sorry, people like Danny Boyd. If you come, you're just going to have to take some caffeine because you said you go to bed at seven o'clock. So sorry about that. Um, <laughs> But it, it'll be a time for where a lot of us can get away, especially men with kids, kids, yeah. not just men. It's for women, too, yeah. um, can can get away and be able to do that and study yeah. and go and ask questions. It gives us a two hour window where we can dig deep into some things. Yeah. And the, and what we'll try to do is what we're hitting on the podcast will carry over into that. So if you have questions from the podcast, please put them online, put them on Facebook. Let us address those mm-hmm. Um and also come to the Park Parker Theology Club, and we'll have time for discussion. We might could do well. a live Q and A thing at some point as a sure. podcast. Yeah. Which oh would yeah, be cool. Yeah. And, and one of our hopes too is with this. Uh, in a minute, I want to bring one more verse back to uh, our discussion on on the Bible and the history, uh, reliability of the Bible. But one of the things we hope is also to bring in guests uh, to this as well. We have uh, friends mm-hmm. from right here in our area and the states, but we also have friends from Africa that we've talked to. We have a partnership with Four Corners Ministries, shout out Four Corners Ministries, uh, yeah. in Africa, as well as another minist- uh, missionary right there on the ground in Uganda uh, that we want to partner with and even have some, um, uh, by technology, have them as, as guests on our podcast uh, as well. Uh, speaking of the biblical historical reliability of the Bible, uh, we spoke, spoke a lot about the internal evidence of God's Word for the biblical historical reliability. There's also a couple of other evidences that we need to mention briefly one of that is the external evidence for the historical uh, value of the Bible. Uh, as early as the first century, the Jewish historian Josephus, have you ever heard of Josephus? Mm-hmm. Uh, not, the, not the country music guy, but Josephus, uh, historian, not verified. Bo- not Bocephus. That's Bocephus. That's I didn't, right. I didn't Bocephus. even. Okay. That was way too deep so, way bad. too old. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's when it right over, over, over my head. But uh, <laughs> Josephus really authenticated the events happening in the New Testament Time and time and time and time again. Uh, another historian, if you look it up, Eusebius, uh, also did the same thing. Uh, biblical archaeology. Mm. I love archaeology. In yeah, fact, in my younger ye- days, I wanted to be Indiana Jones. Like, you know, it was really <laughs> one I wanted to be. Explore <laughs> dun, the world, dun, dun. be like Evan Lanier, go everywhere, you know. Uh, and then just dig stuff up, you know. Mm. Um, but biblical archaeology continues to show us the truthfulness of God's Word, yeah. of the historical events of God's Word. There has never once been a contradiction of that. And so science wants to say, well, science and faith are at odds. Well, the more we understand from science, we realize, and namely the science of biblical archaeology, is that God's Word is trustworthy. Mm-hmm. And so we can, we can rely upon that. Uh, as recently, there's also evidence, bibliography evidence, like Dead Sea Scrolls back in 1947, uh, just again affirmed the historical accuracy, mm-hmm. the accuracy of the text that we had collected that's been around in, in the versions of the Bible that mm-hmm. we're used today, the accuracy of those texts. Uh, and so I think, I think it's important for us to look at all of that. I think the biblical internal evidence is the biggest part. Mm-hmm. But also, if you, if you want to, to sure up that, I also look outside to you know, secular historians in the first couple centuries. They verified all this. So we're not, we're not talking about a fantasy. We're not talking about a fairy tale. We're talking about a historical events. And we're talking about a historical Jesus. We're talking about uh, the gospel from Genesis to Revelation, and we're talking about it being in the inspired, uh, inerrant Word of God, mm-hmm. uh, authoritative Word of God. 
So First uh, Peter chapter 1, I want to wrap up with this verse, if that's okay with you guys. Uh-huh. Verse 21 says, For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That gives you a big picture of how we got what we got. Yeah. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's right. Thank God that we have a book that's accurate, inspired mm-hmm. by God. It's not just man's words or thoughts, because you guys know men are sinful. I mean, we're, we're messed up, mm-hmm. and um, we can't fully understand our purposes in life or what God wants for us, but God inspired His Word and mm-hmm. gave it to us, the full, the full consensus of His Word, mm-hmm. for us to know Him, to know Christ, and to live for Christ. So. And the application is that's why we preach the whole counsel, that's the full counsel of God's of word. God, because right. He 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 has given us the way that we have it for us to preach it that way. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so this is um this has been uh, our first podcast. It's on biblical inerrancy. The first thing we needed to do yeah. because we needed to set the groundwork for this because this is going to be now we can move forward yeah. knowing that what we are teaching. Right. is on an inerrant scripture. Now, any questions, any thoughts, any any disagreements on that, please come to us. Let's talk about it. Let's, yeah. let's post online. We can we can address those things too. But we're going to move from here on to the next subject of original sin yeah. and how that came. So we'll be talking about that on the next one. So yeah. Cool. And my hope is that we'll, about every week or two, we'll release one of these things on mm-hmm. uh, forums from YouTube to Facebook Live. We'll drop it onto our website as well. Mm-hmm. And so you can uh, you can check all those things out different places and then share those. We want you to share that with uh, your friends and family mm-hmm. as well. So, hey, guys, can I wrap us up in prayer? I yep, think it's probably the best way. And we're just going to ask God to bless our thoughts uh, and then the application of uh, of our theology to our life. So, God, thank you for your goodness. God, thank you for my brothers in Christ. Thank you for uh, Kelly and for Will. Uh, Father, I pray, Lord, that you, in the midst of, of this, Lord, you would help us help others to understand your word, but also help us grow in the knowledge of your word. So, Lord, that we know you better and then we serve you better because of Christ. And so, Father, we do this, Lord, not for our glory. We don't do this for the Facebook likes. We don't do this for the audience. We do this for your glory. And so, Father, I pray that you'd bless it and honor that. Lord, help us to think biblically. Lord, help us to treasure your word. Father, Lord, help us to understand your purposes for our life. And Father, Lord, help us to live them out as obedient followers of Christ. And Lord, we pray that in Jesus' holy name. Amen. See you guys next time. If you're interested in joining us here at Parker, D.C., we would love to have you at 11 a.m. on Sunday morning for worship celebration, 9.45 a.m. for our small groups, and on Wednesday night at 6 p.m. for our Wednesday night live activities, which include children's ministry, youth ministry, and our adult Bible study. We'd love to see you sometime soon. For more information about D.C., check us out at www.dclivelove.com.